Good morning, everyone. God is good. And he's given us the good news. We live in his presence, and that is good news. I want to talk on the subject of revival this morning. So the subject is revival, um, and the topic is thinking God's thoughts and living in the abundant life he has promised us. Thinking God's thoughts and living in the abundant life that he has promised us. When I arrived at Mossel Bay, I was told that uh, there's been a prophecy for years ago that we all know of that revival will, will break out in Mossel Bay. And from Mossel Bay, it will go into the rest of the country. So... We can believe that. We can every day think, well, yes, Lord, when is it going to happen? When is it going to happen? Are you going to do it? The definition of revival is this. Someone said this. Revival means making alive again those who have been alive but have fallen into what is called a cold or dead state. They are Christians and have life, but they need reviving to bring them back to their first love and the healthy growth of the spiritual life to which conversion was meant to be. So what does revival mean? The word revival combines two Latin words. Vivo, meaning to live, and re, meaning again. It's like a, a rebirth or a, a reawakening an invigorating experience where the Holy Spirit uh, moves freely among believers, setting their hearts on fire for the Lord. Now, I believe God has already begun a work here this morning. Um, he is good. He is good. We have such good news to share out there because we serve the living God and He is good. And I believe there was something of, of that fire beginning to, to burn in our hearts again today. Now, I felt God in the elders' meeting before, I felt him saying to the, drop these words in my heart, um, bubbling for Jesus, bubbling for Jesus. And I believe that we will go out this place today. I'm trusting God for that. Bubbling for Jesus. It's an overflow of the living water, bubbling forth. Can't, can't help ourselves but to talk about him and to share him. Revival is a word which is generally, has generally been misunderstood. Some people even prefer not to, to mention the word revival or talk about this revival because we, we don't understand it. We might make a mistake in terms of our understanding and what we're going to say about it. Some are expecting a miracle a mystical move of God one day to break out amongst us. We have made revival an event, but it should be a lifestyle. Revival is not one event that takes place. It's a lifestyle. And if we look into Scripture, we will see that this was what God originally intended for mankind, was to live in this place of the power of His Spirit, 
flowing in our lives. Emsley, for the last two Sundays, has so excellently taught us on, on evangelism. Last Sunday, he, he boldly ended with a, a demonstration of the power of God in our midst. I firmly believe that if we renew our minds to the word revival and for, God, for what God intends for us as believers, we can walk in that state of the fullness of his presence until Jesus returns for us one day. That's what God has intended. And I'm trusting God. I've been praying for, for a move of God, a move of the power of the Spirit of God, the demonstration of, of God in our midst. I've been praying for years for this. But there's, there's a quickening. Over the last couple of months, there's a quickening in my heart regarding this. There's, a, there's been a stirring, there's been an a, a expectation level that God is, is growing within me. There's understanding coming. He's giving me understanding of this. And I believe that today we can walk out changed. We can walk out be, being a church that God always intended us to be. On fire, passionate, radical talking about Jesus wherever we go. Nothing's stopping us. We need to renew our minds, and I believe God's doing that today. Romans 12, 2 says, Do not conform to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, that which is good, that which is acceptable and perfect. God wants the best for us individually. God wants the best for his church. He wants us to live in the fullness of his blessing, power, and might. I'm not afraid to, to use the word revival in my vocabulary, but I prefer to use different terms for the meaning. Because we've locked this word out. The enemy, I believe, has captured this word and it's as if there's chains around this word revival in our minds. We lock ourselves in and, and, and we, we think we know what it means. We try to define it. We try to give it meaning. So I prefer to use the words a move of God. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit. A flow of the power of God. A demonstration of the power of God. If we look at the book of Acts, we see that on a, on a particular day, on a, on a specific, at a specific time, the Holy Spirit came and poured himself out upon the disciples. From there, we read of their change in behaviors and the change in disciplines. We read how they all stayed in, in, in this state of awe as God moved amongst them, saving people from their sin and performing miracles amongst them. I believe the state of the church has been robbed from us. I believe we should constantly live in a state of awe of what God 
is doing amongst us. And we've been privileged to see what he's been doing amongst us in AM. I've been privileged. Carl and I have been privileged over this last year to see what God has been doing amongst us. But God wants to up, up the game. God wants to increase his presence. He wants to increase his power in our midst. But how have we been robbed? Let's just look at that. And then we'll move on. How have we been robbed? Jesus tells us. Matthew chapter 13, verses 1 to 9. The parable of the sower. The same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. And he was scattering the seed. Some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they were withered because they had no root. Other seeds fell amongst the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. The Father's heart for us is to let the fullness of Jesus dwell within us. As we do this, there will be a crop. There will be a crop because it's his promise. 160 or 30 times what was sown. We have the seed that has been planted within us. The seed is the word of God. Jesus is the word. Jesus is the seed. The entire mission of Jesus is to seek and to save that which has been lost. In other words, to, to usher in the kingdom of God. To gather people into his kingdom. To gather them into God's church. To build God's church. The seed of God, Jesus is planted in our hearts. And if, if his seed is planted in our hearts, we have his mission in our hearts as well. To build his kingdom. To build his church. This is the very reason I believe the enemy has come to steal from the church. Some fell amongst thorns. We're just going to look at that. Some fell amongst thorns. It's tough out there. It's tough out there, isn't it? It's tough out there to make a living these days. The cares of the world will rob us of the mission of Jesus. Jesus taught us, be anxious about nothing. Philippians 4, 67. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition and thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. He takes care of the, the birds of the air. Matthew 6, 26. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. 
Are you not much more valuable than they? God is calling us in this day and age to place our faith not on our ability, not on our abilities, but to place our faith in his ability. Keep focused on building his church. I believe there's a call, there's a call across the nations that God is calling Christians to. Stay focused on Jesus. Stay focused on, on him and building his kingdom. Let's not allow the enemy to rob us and choke us and choke the seed and choke what God wants to do. Because we're getting worried about the future, the petrol price, the this, the that. How are we going to pay the bond? Let's focus on Jesus. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all, then all these things shall be added unto you. Acts chapter 2, 1 to 4. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each one of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. When we think of revival... Some people are waiting for the sound of the wind to rush through the back door here. Some are waiting to see, see fire and tongues of fire that might take place. But I want to tell you something. The Bible says it's already taken place. It's already taken place. And the church from that moment moved on. The church does move on from there. Why do we always want to go back to say we're waiting for the mighty wind of God? We're waiting for tongues of fire. He's brought that already to us. We have, the church has been filled with his Holy Spirit and with power. We, we saw from that moment on how God began to build his church. People being saved, heals, healings, miracles. Let's not long for the past, but he's called us not to look in the rearview mirror, but to look at the road ahead. Have trust for the road ahead. Have faith for the road ahead. God wants us to live in the moment. He wants to, us to live in the now of what he, he's doing in the life of the church and what he's got planned for us. Today, I believe God is going to release us more and more into the future. I want to look at, at just one of the practices that Jesus taught his disciples, and that's the laying on of hands. We taught in the New Testament that the laying on of hands was associated with, with Christ healing the sick. And then after his ascension, the receiving of the Holy Spirit. Luke chapter 4, 39, 40. Now, when the sun was settling, all those who were sick with various diseases brought them to him. And he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And the sun went down that evening. People throughout the village brought sick family members to Jesus. 
Acts chapter 8, 14 to 19. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. So who can lay hands? Who can lay hands on people? We all can. We all, believers and followers and disciples of Jesus, can all lay hands on the sick. Mark chapter 16, 17 to 18. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on the sick and they will get well. In other words, if, if we are going to use the word revival, then we should constantly be living in this space and at this address. Mark chapter 16, 17 to 18. I believe God wants to restore this truth to the church today. The Holy Spirit desires for us to constantly be seeing Jesus at work amongst us and know his presence and know his power in our lives during daily, individually, but during collective times like this. I believe we're called to be radically in love with Jesus and to go about doing what he did. Carla this week, uh, last week, wanted to buy some cushions for her lounge suite. So she found a little decor shop in Grootbrook. And she liked the, the cushions in the, in the window there. So we went and we started chatting to the, the manager, the manager rest there. And um, anyway, long story short, she began to tell us that her husband had just fallen off a roof. And she pointed to the roof opposite and it was high. And he managed to turn and, and, and because he said later, he said if he knew if he'd fallen, he would have, something worse would have happened if he'd landed on his head or something. So he, he landed on his feet. But in the process of doing that, he, he crushed both heels and broke an ankle. And she's telling us this story about her husband. And the Lord just says to me, just, just stop and pray. So we don't know this lady. Um, so I said, just, just, can we just pray? So Carla says, well, should we just pray afterwards? And she was just after these cushions. <laughs> no, it's all right, my darling. I forgive you. <laughs> I bought you the cushions. So I said, no, no, we're going to pray now. Sometimes you just have to, hey, guys, you just got to go in there. 
You just got to go. You can't, you know, there's a, there's a saying that um, it's an American thing. Um, when you go to the creek to fetch water, okay, so when you're going down to the river with your bucket to collect water, don't listen to the frogs. And we need, it's, it means we need to be staying focused. If we hear what God is saying to us, do it. Don't listen to the frogs. There will be doubt. There will be fear. There will be all kinds of things that the enemy will throw at us. But we need to be obedient. And so we stopped. And right in the middle of the shop, we prayed. Prayed for her. At the end of that, the tears in her eyes. Thank you. Thank you. But now there's this relationship. So then she WhatsApp call her later to say, well, the husband's going in for an op. And they couldn't do it. And uh, next week he's having the operation. But there's a relationship that's begun. And I want to encourage each one of us that there are opportunities out there. There are opportunities and we just need to have our ears open and our eyes open and our spiritual ears and our spiritual eyes opened and wait for that opportunity. And then as that comes, we were taught last week what to do with it. That's the moment to evangelize. That's the moment to usher in the kingdom of God into people's lives. There's a hunger. South Africa, or having lived in England for three and a half years, it's dry, it's hard. I'm not talking about the weather. Okay? The spiritual climate we found was very dry and very hard, ruthless. Not interested. But in South Africa, Daniel, we were talking about it yesterday. There's, a, there's an openness. There's a, it's, as, it's as if the, the heavens are open. There's a, people want to respond to the gospel. There's a, the tide is rising. We need to flow with what God is doing and just enter in and be bold in those areas. Um, to me, it just seems it, it's like a, an opportunity God is giving this nation for a mighty outpouring of his spirit. The opportunities all around us. Jesus wants us to live a lifestyle of that of the early church. He wants us to live like the disciples lived in the book of Acts. He wants one day to come back for a bride that is pure, spotless, passionate, vibrant, and full of power. He will not be coming back for a sinful, faithless, traditional, sluggish, and pathetic church. Jesus is coming, and he said he's coming for his church, a victorious church, a powerful church, a church daily seeing people repent and returning to him, a prophesying church. A loving and gathering church. A church where each, one, each person is bringing their gift. A church of contributing saints. A Bible-based church where truth is taught. A church that is radical about discipling the nations for him. Jesus is coming back for a bold church that goes about laying hands on people and releasing and demonstrating the power of God. Jesus is coming for his church. 
It's our responsibility to ensure that we play our part. It is our responsibility to build according to his pattern. It's our responsibility to build our lives in his church according to his blueprint. Church, let's take this, responsi- this, take, take this responsibility seriously, but with joy and with fervor. The amazing thing is that Jesus has given us the authority to build his church. No one else is going to build his church on earth, but his church will. You and I will. He's waiting. He's standing back. He's saying, guys, I've given you everything. I've given you everything. There's nothing more I can give you. I've given it to you. The power, the authority to build my church. I've taught you how to build my church. Why aren't you building my church? Because we've been robbed. Today we've got to say enough is enough. We draw the line. Today we say, Lord Jesus, come and fill us with your power. Come and revive us as individuals. Revive your church. Quicken us. Fill us with your spirit again to overflowing, that we would go out bubbling about Jesus. We no longer can stay in a place of mellow subjection, waiting for one day for God to pour out this revival. We have already been releasing, released to bring revival to this this crazy mixed up world. We need to capture this truth in our hearts and ask God to to forgive us of, of lukewarmness. We need to rise up and become what he has intended us to be. His mighty people, filled with his power, filled with his love, and filled with his might. Ephesians chapter 3, 10 says, His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to who? The rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. We live in a supernatural state in God. We live a spiritual life, and we need to enter into more of of understanding what God has done in terms of the spiritual realm. He says, yes, go and talk to the doctors, the lawyers, the accountants, the bookkeepers, the Taxi drivers, go and talk to the people. But understand this church. His intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly realms. This is a spirit-filled church. He's talking about a spirit-filled church here. We cannot... Our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities, rulers and high places. That's where our fight is. We cannot fight that battle without the fullness of the Spirit of God dwelling within us. This is a spiritual church, a supernatural church. This is a church living out the Word of God and the power of the Spirit. The last scripture I want to read is Colossians chapter 2, 16 to 15. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, 
rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather on Christ than on Christ. For in Christ all the fullness of his deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self ruled by the flesh was put off when you were circumcised by Christ. Having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all of our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He, was, he has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Church, let's arise in the victory of Jesus Christ. Let's arise in the power of the Holy Spirit and go and take our nation for him. Take the, the city for him. Take our neighborhoods for him. Jesus is king. That's it. Jesus is king. Overall, that's it. We serve him.